is The Essential Guide to Surviving Humanity with Michelle Frost and Gareth Wax. So this is part two of Surviving Mortality. I'm going to call it How to Become Less Afraid of Death. Reading a bit around this, the theory is that actually when people when people are diagnosed with a terminal illness or have a near-death experience, Mm -hmm. they become much more galvanised and they become more focused and they actually want to talk about it. And it's it's sort of some of the things we were talking about in the last part is that they really take stock and they go, okay, I need to get going now. I need to do some important stuff. I need to tell people I love them. It kind of pushes them forward in a way that, you know, it feels like you need a little push. So so have you had a near-death experience that you can relate to? I haven't had any of those things. Well, see, I have. Mm. Remember, what's it, um, four years ago now? when I died on effectively on the table. I do remember, yeah. And, yeah, I remember when I came back from all that, I was very keen to tell my wife what she meant to me. And more importantly, I was keen to check up on my friends and make sure they knew that I loved them. Mm. Mm. And that was important. Mm. Yes, and the theory is is that, the more we talk about it, the less it's a taboo, a bit like mental health, you know, there's a sort of yeah. stigma around it. And it's a sort of subject that we avoid. So I'm just looking at an article here, which I rather like, which is actually entitled How to Become Less Afraid of Death by Jeffrey Kluger, writing for Time magazine. Death, in the view of many theorists, is a good thing, at least for a society that aspires to be creative. When you're on the clock, you accomplish more. Cultural anthropologist Ernest Becker, author of The Denial of Death, called mortality a mainspring of human activity. If you want to invent a light bulb or paint a Mona Lisa, you'd best get started because checkout time is coming. Yeah. That's perfectly fine when you're contemplating the human species as a whole, but our personal mortality is a different matter, right? Not always. A 2017 study in psychological science tallied the number of positive and negative words in blog posts written by the terminally ill and compared them with essays by people who were asked to imagine being near death and then write about it. The dying people, it turned out, were more positive. People are able to come to terms with death as they age, thanks to what psychologists building on Becker's work dubbed terror management theory. Terror management theory. Terror management theory. TMT. So, it's, it sounds like something you'd use on a, on the uh, field of war. Yes, it does. In this context, it's equal parts denial and self-soothing, courage and fatalism. TMT is what kept, in fact, Cold War Americans going despite fear of nuclear annihilation and got New Yorkers out to work on that September the 12th following the terrorist attack. Some TMT techniques involve what psychologists call constructive distraction. That's what my friend said was what he was doing when he didn't want to face the fact that one day he was going to be in the earth or He looked at something sparkly. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically it, isn't it? It's don't look over here, look over there. Yeah, you, you get working, you, you put mm. your, your, your attention to something else. Yeah. Busying ourselves with a lifetime of meaningful things. When faced with acute reminders of death, say a funeral, we push back with something that prolongs life, like going for a run. Now, I remember in Camus' L'Etranger, it's always stuck with me that on the day of his mother's funeral, he found a woman, not someone he knew, a prostitute, I think, and had sex. And there's something about death that makes you want to reaffirm life somehow. Yeah, do something life-affirming. Absolutely, mm. I can. Mm. I totally get, I get that entirely. Mm. And around death, we also become good at flippancy, making death benign or comical. I always make jokes at funerals. 
I we get better joke, at I this. Do. We get better at this as we age. A 2000 meta-analysis found that fear of death grows in the first half of life, but by the time we hit the 61 to 87 stage group, we're not quite there. It recedes to a stable, manageable level. Now, I'm not sure that's the case because it definitely wasn't the case with my father. I think he was terrified. Actually, yeah, but that. let's face it: how many people are religious as a percentage of the whole? Go back a hundred years, and you'd be saying high 50s, high 60s, right? Mm. Now. I would say maybe five, yeah. maybe 10%. And your father was in quite literally, as well as metaphorically, a dying breed. In post 9-11 study in the journal Identity by psychologist Curtis Duncombe found that people who have established an identity commitment or an allegiance to a group or worldview exhibit less anxiety when reminded of death than people still engaging in identity exploration. Now, I think this is where... I do struggle with death because I don't feel that I... I feel like I'm still in an identity exploration point in my life. I'm not attached to any particular worldview. Yeah, you are. Any religion. Yeah, you are. You've still got Catholic guilt. It still plagues you. You can only say that you're not attached to any particular worldview once you jettison that. So once you jettison the guilt... When you stop thinking that you're letting somebody down by not having the body of Christ and not drinking his blood, once you've jettisoned all of that, then you can say you've got no well to but you still do. Well, you I, feel, you feel I, guilt. I still, I, well, I would disagree because I really think I've left that part of my life behind. Okay. And what it's left is a bit of a, a vacuum because I don't really feel that I necessarily can hang things on anything. So I, I think probably I'm still in that existential place of what's the point? What's but, the point? But that is the essence of this. There doesn't need to be a point. The only point is to exist. That's it. So therefore, given that, let's put, let's put it on the table. Most important thing, time is short. Second most important thing, you are free to do whatever the hell you like. Third most important thing, things feel good when you help people. So if you combine all those things, think time is short, things, you want to do things that make you feel good, and things feel really good when you help people, just focus on that. Well, I think the helping people is probably the one that I can most uh, relate to. But time is short, so you better get on with it, mm. right? And maybe that's what this podcast has been about, because I've sort of shared stuff about myself that maybe touches others, or I've no idea. But Of course it will touch people. This is what they advise. Make a plan, make a will, put your things in order so that those that come after you know where everything is. Don't leave shit for people to pick up after you. Declutter because you're not going to take yep. it with you. Get rid of stuff that so that other people don't have to get rid of it. Plan your funeral. Say what you want. Tell the people you love that you love them. Yeah, and then plan the funeral in that you say what songs you want and how you want to go. Do you want to be cremated or mm-hmm. buried? Be clear. And then... Chill with the still. Well, there's another thing as well, which is, I think, around this help people die. So a lot of research shows that those that are dying, people come to them and say, oh, cheer up, don't talk about that, it's morbid. But the research shows that people, when they're in their final days and hours, they want to talk about what they're grateful for, what they've achieved in their lives, their loved ones, the people they remember they want to talk about it so what the advice is especially if you've been through stuff you want to to kind of do a bit of a bit of a retrospective biography you know they say that when you die that you have like this feature film played of Mm. of your life don't wait for it to come up start 
playing it yourself. Yeah, and I think that's lovely. And the overriding advice is talk about it. So, well, it's actually more than that. But around the world, including London, in fact, are, are something called death cafes and death salons. Now, a death cafe, you go and you talk about death over tea and cake. Yeah. The tea and cake bit's a bit that I really like. Of course. And when I looked it up, their remit, if you like, is to increase awareness of death with a view to helping people make the most of their finite lives. Okay. A death salon, you've got funeral directors, artists, intellectuals, writers, independent thinkers who aim to subvert death denial by opening up conversations with the public about death, anthropological, historical and artistic contributions. So it's about all the people coming together, including funeral directors, and going, let's just really talk about this. Let's get into the detail. Sure. So that's one thing that we can do. Is um, And we can just do it over dinner as well. We don't have to go to a death cafe. We can create our own I'm death I'm not sure cafes. talking over death over dinner is always... Some people are going to find that a bit creepy. <laughs> I, I know, don't. But, I'm but fine with I it. Talk about death all the time. But... This is a Buddhist approach, and I'm not suggesting that we can do this but I think it's rather wonderful so it's called corpse meditation so Buddhist monks will go and they will sit in front of a corpse and they will just look at what it brings up for them and they just like in a way they're looking and they're facing death so using it as a starting point aren't they effectively and then meditating on that start they're meditating on it and then and I'm just going to read what I read because I think it's rather wonderful after viewing corpses one applies that consideration to one's own corpse one's own body it breaks or shatters complacent thoughts like I'm going to live forever this body will continue on for all eternity obviously that's not the case. So when that happens, irritation or anxiety arises. Then a sense of detachment arises, a realisation that the body is based on causes and conditions and it will be gone when those causes and conditions are no longer present. Yeah. A sense of lightness and happiness comes next. So this idea that that might help me as well to realise that I'm just being kept alive by certain causes and conditions and when they go, I'm gone. Exactly. I'm you return of, to the stars from which you came. It's kind of an illusion that I'm going to keep going. So but you find the, it safer to live in that illusion because then you don't have to deal with, with what might come next. And you're still worried, I think, part of you. I know you say you, you've let it go, but I don't think you have. You've got that feeling that what happens if you do end up in purgatory? What happens if there is a hell? No, I don't have that. You don't have what, that? I, no, what I what the biggest thing I have is that okay, I'm not I'm not at the moment leaving much of a legacy behind me other than a few oh, scripts right, on see. my computer. I don't have kids. What does that mean for me? You've got friendships and people remember you. I do, but will they outlive me? So, you know, a lot of the advice is um, you know, create well, stuff case, that will it's create stuff that will outlive. And what that does for me, it puts a huge pressure because if I'm going to leave something behind me, it needs to be really good. And why? I don't know. I don't know. I guess that's... Can't it just be real? So it's less about a Catholic thing. It's more about my upbringing in you know a very oh. competitive all-girls school, which is aim high and be ambitious, be driven. But who are you comparing yourself to? All they have to do is remember you and be human about it. I know. And, I mean, You're just a woman full the, of frailties the, the, and, and, and flaws like yes, the rest of and us. and the rational side of me knows that. But it also paralyses me because when I start to write something, create something, the first thing I say is it's not good enough before I've even started. So I need to get over myself and I need to... Yeah, girl, you need to get over yourself. I need to, I need to meditate more because I do believe that meditation is where some of the answers are. Letting go of all the stuff and just... It's going. the letting go stuff. The meditation mm. is the mode, but end result, is letting go mm. so the conflict is do i let go of my fear of death or do i actually look at it in the eye and go okay 
I see you, it's going to happen. And as you've said many times, do the things that you put in the someday drawer, get them out and do them now. Don't talk about it, JFDI. This has been the essential guide to surviving humanity with Michelle Frost and Gareth Wax. Mm-hmm.